women have a unique role in creation. Women are the nurturers, the birth givers, the more spiritual of the genders. And Torah teaches that women have a special status. Join Mashi Lipska for the next hour as she expounds the Torah wisdom specific to women. Only on 101.9 High FM. And our good ner of Shabbos. Our good ner of Shabbos of a very special Shabbos. It's the third parsha, the third portion, where the final three plagues are visited upon the Egyptians and where the people march forth from Egypt. It is the third parsha of the book of Exodus, leaving Egypt behind, but it's also leading toward the 70th anniversary of the leadership of our Rebbe. Exactly 70 years ago, early in the morning of this week's Parsha, Parsha's boy, Bo, early in the morning, the previous Rebbe passed away. It was then the 10th day of the month of Shvat. It was totally unexpected. The previous Rebbe was 69 years old. Yes, he had been ill, but this was totally unexpected. Previous Rebbe was still very actively involved in, in leading the community, in leading the growing Chabad community, all the activities of reaching out to every Jew in any circumstance, wherever they were, across the United States, and even in Europe, in Israel, and even in North Africa. The Rebbe was sending people, previous Rebbe, on all kinds of missions. And there was already a shaliach in Morocco. Early that morning, a transition took place. So we mark the 10th of Shvat as not only the passing of the previous Rebbe, but the beginning of the leadership of our Rebbe. And although he did not take on the leadership formally until a year later, on the first yard site, the 10th of Shvat, 1951, Tovshin Yudalev, this year marks 70 years since that transition, and of course, even before the passing of the previous Rebbe, our Rebbe worked together with his late father-in-law, together with the Friedrich Rebbe, from the time that he came to America in June of 1941. And it is with him and precisely together that the foundations were laid for what would be the leadership of the seventh generation. The story is a very moving one. Before the previous Rebbe passed away, he took a Hasidic discourse that he had written and edited it for publication. It was a discourse in honor of the 36th yard side of his esteemed grandmother, the Rebetzin Rivka, the wife of the fourth Rebbe, Rabbi Shmuel, someone from whom 
the previous Rebbe had gleaned so much from the time that he was a child. Every day after Cheder, he would go to visit her, and she would tell him the history, the history of the Chassidim, the history of the family. She was such an incredible transmitter of stories, of history, that her own father-in-law, the third Rebbe, said of her, she is a Balas Shmua. She knows how to hear. To hear a story, you don't just need ears, you need a heart, you need a mind. Why do you need ears to hear the words? Why do you need a heart to connect with the individuals, what they were going through, what they were feeling? And you need a mind in order to remember but not to add. In our times, unfortunately, in an effort to entertain or send a message home, sometimes we take the liberty of doctoring a story. And suddenly the story is attributed to somebody to whom it never happened. But the feeling of the teller is it doesn't really matter because it's the message that matters. Sometimes, in telling a story, we just kind of tailor it to suit our own needs or to suit the speech. This is not something she ever did. She was a reliable source. She was a source for him who could be trusted that what she said would be accurate, where it happened, when it happened, to whom it happened, and above all, What did they say, and what did they not say? And very often, we understand from the very few words that a holy person says, we understand superficially and then layer upon layer, the holiness shines forth. The messages continue to reverberate. But if we change the language... We, God forbid, lose that. And she never did. And she transmitted this to her grandson from the time he was little. He used to come from Cheder and go to her in the afternoon. And his father had instituted that in addition to all the studies he did, his day was very structured by his father when he studied formally, when he reviewed what he studied, etc., with whom he studied, His father left him time every day to record the stories that he heard. And he recorded a wealth of stories from his grandmother, from Elder Hasidim, and of course, from his father, the Rebbe himself. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Meshi only on 101.9 High FM. Amashi Lipsker. Today is the fifth day of the month of Shvat. Today is Erev Shabbos before the tenth of Shvat. And this year marks 70 years since our Rebbe began to lead Chabad. 
some two weeks before the previous Rebbe passed away, he asked his foremost assistant, his secretary, our Rebbe, to have a certain Hasidic discourse printed. He had written it some time before. He had edited it now. And he wanted it to be published. It had been written in loving memory of his very, very precious Bobe, the Rebetzin Rivka, the wife of the fourth Rebbe, with whom he had a close relationship, from whom he heard, recorded, and in certain cases passed on to us the history of the family, the history of Chabad, the history of Hasidus in general, the early Hasidim, the early refined people whose entire desire was just to connect to Hashem, to help other people who had a burning love for another and a burning love for the one above. The stories are so precious. In two volumes, there's something called the memoirs of the previous Rebbe, the Zichreinus. There are two volumes that he allowed to be published in Hebrew, in Yiddish. It's actually just one volume. And it's just the tip of the iceberg of volumes and volumes of handwritten diary that are in the archives. But from this work, which was published, one gains an insight as to the possibilities of refinement, of yearning, of incredible connection, and of people on a journey. You would think of people on a journey perhaps as the flower children of the 60s. This is far beyond that. It's everything plus. It's an essential journey, not for the senses of the body, but for the sensitivities of the soul. Incredible love and devotion to a mitzvah. Incredible love and devotion to another. Loving another. And you shall love your fellow as yourself. Shines in each and every one of these incredible, incredible stories, vignettes, statements. If you were to read something that is uplifting, get the Zichreinus of the previous Rebbe, the previous Rebbe's memoirs. So to this Baba, for her 36th Yorch site, which was 10th of Shvat, 1950, he prepared an incredible Hasidic discourse, which he entitled, Balsi Ligani, I came into my garden, my sister, my bride. A quote from Song of Songs, Shira Shirim, where God refers to us in the most loving, loving terms 
a sister, close, a bride, adored, a bride representing everything new, with hope for the future, everything warm, everything accepting, a sister, a relationship that just needs no words, a relationship that flows the same that flows in my veins flows in your veins. We've been to the same place. We're from the same place. We don't even have to say anything. We are connected. The relationship of a bride and a groom, that needs a lot of work. In a sense, the souls are two halves of the same soul. But the journeys until now have been two different journeys, two different upbringings. And now the work begins. And with Hashem, we have both of those relationships. There's an intrinsic that my soul is an actual part of God himself. But the work to be done is to be done in the garden, in this world. In fact, people think of this world, says the Rebbe, as a jungle. It's not. Its innate quality, essence, is a garden, a place of delight. Not just the basics, like a field. It's a place where God initially came down, initially in the Garden of Eden. There he was with Adam and Eve. Unfortunately, seven transgressions banished him from earth to heaven, from heaven one to heaven two. And eventually, God was distant, as it were, from the world, or he distanced himself. Of course, he was still here, but holiness, sensitivity to spirituality wasn't there anymore, to the point where you could have the terrible transgression of one man against the other in the time of the flood of Noah. You could have Cain and Abel, a brother killing a brother. You could have the building of the Tower of Babel, which was an out-and-out rebellion against God, a denial of reality that God created and continues to create the world. It's the only power in the world. And they wanted to fight against God. They wanted to be the other team, as it were. That can never work. And the Medrash continues that then seven righteous people arose and brought him back, resensitized the world to spirituality and to holiness. Abraham, from seven to six. Isaac, from six to five. Jacob, from five to four. And gradually until Moshe Rabbeinu Moses brought God's presence back to earth. It was temporarily there at the giving of the Torah, where God came down on the mountain. But then, when God allowed us to build a home for him, a sanctuary, a temple, the tabernacle in the desert and later the temple in Jerusalem, that is where God came to rest his essence again. And we call it the Shekhinah. 
from the worldly skoin to dwell. The word mishkan, the temporary tabernacle, where the presence of God, the sweetness, the truth, shone openly. And so the previous Rebbe wrote this Hasidic discourse and how happy our Rebbe was, he shared, to be able to tell his esteemed father-in-law who was asking every day if the Hasidic discourse was back from the printer, that it was ready and it was being distributed amongst the Hasidim with a covering letter that they should study this on the day of the Yortzeit, which was that Shabbos, the Yortzeit of the Bobe, 36 Yortzeit. And then there was a second section as well, because three days later on the 13th of Shvat would be the Yortzeit, the eighth Yortzeit of the previous Rebbe's mother. The next morning, previous Rebbe had a heart attack. And by 8.07, they couldn't revive him anymore. Of course, the great disbelief, the incredible disbelief that this had happened. But amazingly, when they began to study the mimer, they saw that it was not only a tribute to his bobe, in terms of the feminine, my sister, my bride, and many other things, but inside was his wish, his tzavah, his will, his last will and testament, and outlining what the work of the seventh generation would be. And we count seven either from the first Rebbe, Rabbi Schneir Zalman, or from the Baal Shem Tov. In truth, it was only the beginning. It was a painful beginning. And a year later, when on that yard site the Rebbe accepted the mantle of leadership, on that day, with great tears and humility, the Rebbe outlined the mission of the seventh generation. That just as Moshe had brought the Shechina back to earth, so much work had been done and the seventh generation would have the privilege to bring God's presence back to earth with the coming of Mashiach. But it would not be easy. It would be exhausting. And the Rebbe, at that point, planted the seeds. Now, you all know the story of the old man who was planting a tree it was a fig tree, and it takes 70 years for that sort of thing to blossom. Sorry, a date tree, and to give sweet fruit. And the emperor passed by, and he said, what are you doing? He said, well, my father's planted for me, and I'm planting for my children. Because he said to him, do you ever hope to see, to taste these fruits? He said, not necessarily for me. And this is what happened. Indeed, the Rebbe planted seeds. And now, 70 years later, the fruit is sweet. There is a vibe, a growing sense 
of the imminence of Mashiach. So much has been done. The Baal Shem Tov was told by the Mashiach that he would come when the wellsprings would spread to the outside, when the inner teachings of Tyra would reach the furthest corners of the world and the furthest situations, the furthest challenges of darkness. And the Rebbe proceeded to send his emissaries worldwide. At that time, nobody really could fathom what the Rebbe was talking about. He was talking about going to a place, as Avraham Avinu did, and proclaiming there in the name of Hashem. And to go to a place where people don't even know the first thing about godliness. They don't even know the Aleph base. And there, in an undiluted fashion, to proclaim that God and world are one thing, Kel Oilom. It's not that there's two things. It's one thing. Everything in creation. All objects, all events, all people, everything that we encounter within ourselves and on the outside, all have a spiritual source and are all part of one theme. And the outside attracts and the outside has a tremendous pull. We mustn't squash that. We must use all of our passion. We must learn from the way the negative seems to control, entices, looks so bright. We must learn and use that to spread holiness. There's nothing in the world that we cannot use. The question is, for what do we use it? And when we use technology to spread godliness as we speak words of Torah on the radio, and in so many other ways, on the Internet, you can get the most wonderful learning, the most wonderful teaching. When we are passionate about helping others, when we are untiring about continuing to hold our heads up high with Jewish pride and do everything that we can to follow the incredible platinum incredible royal directives of our holy Torah. And the more Torah that we study and live, the more mitzvahs we perform, the more we not only refine ourselves and our environment, but it's cumulative. The world is changing. In our lifetime, my husband and I have been privileged to not only be there at the very beginning as infants, but to see the incredible change in people's mindset, the incredible change in attitude, the incredible optimism of the Rebbe has filtered through to the way people think, communities think, leaders think world leaders think we're living indeed in incredible, incredible times. We are living in times 
when there's a ripening of all the seeds that have been planted and an anticipation that we are moving rapidly toward the goal. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Please God, in just a few weeks, we'll mark 48 years since Chabad formally came to this country when my husband and I came. Here too, it's been a lifetime and it's been a nachas to see the incredible change in the entire Jewish community, in individuals, in the leadership, to see incredible, incredible move forward toward taking the gifts that God has given us, that we live here under a government of religious freedom, where we live here, unlike in the generations before us, we live here in freedom, in protection, where we are free to keep God's Torah and do his mitzvahs, where Yiddishkeit has absolutely blossomed. And Chabad is going to have some public, not only celebrations and commemorations and fabrengans, but the thrust is to study as much as possible. To study the teachings, the printed teachings of the Rebbe, and to delve and to find the sweetness, the direction, the guidance in life, the love of God, of his people, of his Torah. And it's an incredible, incredible, available opportunity because so much has been published in every language, in Yiddish, of course, And the Yiddish was originally there so that the women would understand. Very inclusive. In English, in Hebrew, in French, in Spanish, in Portuguese, you name it. There are things printed in Chinese. Because that is part of getting the message chutzah to the outside. And so this Sunday night is going to be a session for women learning from the Rebbe. And it will be at the Torah Academy, at the, at the shul, at the hall, under the Hasidim shul there. And it's all prepared for us to be able to delve into the intricacies of a talk of the Rebbe and to learn it in Chavrusa, which means in partnership with someone else, or to listen to Shiorim, little Shiorim that will be going on. It's at half past seven, second of February, at the Torah Academy. And it is something incredibly, incredibly worthwhile and nurturing to understand how the Rebbe thought, how the Rebbe directed us through the living words of Torah. Everything is Torah. In addition to that, on Sunday morning, before Sunday night, 
there will be a breakfast, a breakfast on the Capitol on the Park in Catherine Street. There's prayer at 8, Shachris Tfilm at 8, breakfast at 9, and a program at half past 9 to 10.30. We have an overseas speaker speaking about 70 years of 2020 vision. Celebrating the 70 years of the, Le- of the Rebbe's leadership, we go on to Wednesday night, again, where everyone is welcome to a communal fabrengen. What's a fabrengen? A Hasidic gathering where people speak from the heart. There's a formal section. There will be dinner. And then there's an informal section where people sit in groups, share, inspire. It's an incredibly moving experience and a personal experience, and that will be at 8 p.m. at the Torah Academy Hall. Again, on the Torah Academy campus. Things not just to celebrate and commemorate, but to launch the next 10 years. 70 is a number of wisdom. 80 is a number of strength. Gvura. 70 is the number of the natural order of things. 8. 7 is the number of the natural. 8 is the number beyond nature. We have reached a stage where things, Baruch Hashem, are prepared to take off in a new way, never before seen. Things are strengthening, growing. The tree is full of branches, full of fruit, and every fruit contains seeds for future growth. There is so much there for the taking to help us have a happy life, a joyous life, an inspired life. And of course, when we think of these seemingly daunting tasks, who would have thought when the Rebbe spoke in 1951 that 69 years later we would see what we are seeing worldwide on every continent, in absolutely every language, in every corner of the world, because our Rebbe took the directive of the Baal Shem Tov from the Mashiach, literally, spread out, spread out to the east, to the west, to the north, to the south. There's no way that there's any part of the world that isn't God's, no matter how hidden it looks. No experience within ourselves that is, God forbid, not filled with light. But every challenge, of course, is our portion in making this world a dwelling place for God by embracing it with joy, embracing it with courage, embracing it with determination, and embracing it knowing that there's nothing that God puts in our way that our will, our desire, our passion cannot overcome. In fact, even in the Parsha, Hashem has already smitten the Egyptians with seven deadly plagues. 
seven strikes at everything they stand for. And now we have another parsha with the last three plagues, and it starts with Hashem giving specific instructions to Moshe and Aaron about how to speak to Pharaoh. He said, Look, I have made you master over Pharaoh. He said, Go and speak to him. But he didn't say go. He said to him, Come. What does it mean, come? That means I'm going with you. That means... You're going into the lion's den. You're going to Pharaoh. But I am coming with you. And remember, I have made you master over Pharaoh. Hashem is now going to send a huge swarm of locusts. The eighth plague. And Hashem is telling Moshe, He says, speak to Pharaoh. But he says, go to Pharaoh, but not go. Come to Pharaoh. I am with you. I'm there already. I'm never not there. Interestingly, Hashem now says, go and speak to Pharaoh. And Moshe says, if you refuse to send forth my people, says Hashem, I will bring locusts. So why? If we've previously said that God, after the first five plagues, already kind of tipped the scales and took away, as it were, a level of free choice from Pharaoh. But here we see that it's never too late. The fact that God is warning Pharaoh that he's going to be punished for not obeying Moses' Moshe's demand, it shows that the door is still open. God had made Pharaoh stubborn, but that just meant it would be harder for him to change, to repent. But had Pharaoh summoned inner strength to listen to that inner voice called the conscience, he could have let the Jews go at that point. He could have spared himself and his country the doom, the impending ruin that hung over Egypt but could still be pulled back. Of course, everything in Torah from the word Torah, our lesson guide, talks to us personally, no matter how far we feel from Hashem, even when it feels like God has shut the door on us and it's one calamity after the other even if it feels like it's too late. If we want to return to him, nothing can stand in our way. Nothing will resist our determined efforts. So why does it seem to be hopeless? Why does he seem not to be there? It's just there to cause us to summon a deeper resolve, a more powerful resolve, a resolve we didn't even know we had, which ultimately will change us forever, knowing that there's nothing that stands in the way of will. Our will is higher 
than reason, higher than emotion. Our will is our crown. And the other lesson is that no matter how far I may have strayed, no matter how far I may have gone from Hashem, I am told that it's never too late, so when we see somebody else, we must never despair of inspiring him. How? The Rebbe made it the hallmark with true love and friendship. Love and friendship are the key to the hardest situation, the key to the most locked door. Love and friendship with Hashem's help. When we do our very best, Hashem helps another person to come back to who he really is. And that's the secret that the Rebbe knew and taught us. That each one of us is like a diamond which can never be damaged. Each one of us is like a flintstone that if it's dried and struck, its inner spark will come out. Even if it's been lying at the bottom of the coldest ocean for a thousand years, the spark in the Flintstone is invincible. Take it out, expose it to the warmth, the sunshine. Take it out of the cold. Even cold water, which is the negative passions, that stone will give fire again. Not only fire for itself, but it can ignite others as well. And let's talk for a moment as we end about the future redemption, which was the entire thrust of the Rebbe's leadership from the time he took the mantle of leadership. He would always speak about Mashiach, May Mashiach come now. And then ultimately, Mashiach is coming now. And ultimately saying that our generation is the last generation of exile and the first generation of redemption. That the souls of the people who left Egypt are the very same souls of the people living in bodies today. And remember, the ninth plague of darkness was there not only to affect the Egyptians, but it was a cover to take away the Jewish people who didn't want to leave Egypt. During that time, they died, and the Egyptians wouldn't say, oh, everybody's dying. Because God never forces us. They didn't want to leave Egypt. He didn't force them to leave Egypt. You don't want to leave your situation? There's never force. There are messages. There are taps on the shoulder. There are opportunities. But there's never force. This is a world of choice. Those people who chose to remain in Egypt, well, their lives no longer had any meaning. Their lives had spiritually finished. But in the future redemption, there is the promise that even people who don't consciously want to be redeemed will be taken out of exile. And that's because when God gave us the Torah, 
he connected our essence with his essence. And he made it impossible for us to really oppose that innate connection with God. Of course, we can go through motions of opposing him, but that is only superficial. Sooner or later, our truth, our deep inner essence is going to surface. And of course, that will make us worthy, if nothing else, of being redeemed. This is the Parsha. Come to Pharaoh. Come to the most difficult challenge. But don't come alone. I am with you. And at the end of the Parsha, the people march out. May we merit indeed to emulate all of the examples that the Rebbe showed us of love, of leadership, of passion, of optimism, and to immediately merit the ultimate redemption. Good Shabbos.